0: Get down with DND. Yeah you know me. Get down with DND. Yeah you know me. Get down with DND. Yeah you know me. Who's down with DND. Yeah you know me. Get down with DND. Yeah you know me. I'm down with DND. Yeah you know me. We's down with DND. Yeah you know me. Are you ready to get down with some DND? I know why. And I am joined as I am always joined by the modest, mature and merry mad wizard merwin what is up sean
1: definitely merry and super mature
0: <laughs> i
1: I I, uh, I I was at a con for one day and ran 12 hours of games and i feel like i ran a marathon
0: yeah yeah
1: um, yeah but but i've I survived i came away mentally uh, better off if if physically worn out i larped this weekend i heard that i heard i heard it was pretty fun too it really was
0: like uh, i think it's 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 the first complete LARP I've ever played in. I played in a partial. I played for part of one one time before that, but this was a really great experience. Really great players. Really great storyteller. It was. It was really fun. Nice. I, I would suggest anybody out there give a LARP a try sometime. There you go. Anyways, we should probably get into this because we're going to talk about a lot of news today. Tons and tons of
1: news. In fact, this whole show is kind of
0: news, except for the last thing,
1: which is still news, right, Sean? It's it's news, but we're just going to discuss it more in detail and, and take a, a deeper dive into it. Okay. So first
0: thing is uh, on Mworld, there's an article, is D&D too focused on combat?
1: So Sean, would you lead us into this? Sure. It was another interesting article uh, by Talion is his uh, name. It's Mike Tresca, who is a regular columnist. We discussed his last one, I believe, too. Uh, but this one talks about a uh, the concept of the different aspects of D&D and whether combat is overemphasized in the game. And it's the the title is kind of clickbait, uh, but the article itself was pretty interesting. It talked about John Peterson's book called Playing at the World, where he talked about gaming and three modes of play, combat, exploration, and logistics, which sounds a little bit like the three pillars that they talked about for 5th edition, but you take out logistics and put in interaction and and you've got something similar so a couple quotes i'm going to pull from the article that i thought were interesting and and we should discuss basically the article talks about the the three these three uh modes of play combat exploration logistics and the comment is made that the flaw in later DD was it was a game that was good at modeling killing i.e combat and then spent a decade trying to be anything other than a game about killing and I don't agree with this whole, uh, whole thing, but I will admit that D and D has always been a game that is better at modeling combat than at doing other parts. So at, you know, in some editions, there may be strengths with, uh, different you know, interaction or exploration, but for the most part, D and D has been a game that has, um, brought, brought to it an audience, mostly focused on combat. Um, if the other aspects of the game had been better modeled through rules, then you would have been bringing other people to the game interested, more interested in in those models. Um, so that was the first point I wanted to bring up. Uh, anything to add on that? Go, go for it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah,
0: I got tons of things to say about this topic. Like we could have spent a but whole j- article just talking about, like a whole episode talking about this. Yeah, so in general, I think that that statement is about 100% accurate. I think D&D has always modeled the fight better than most other things because it hasn't done a very good job of explaining how to do a lot of those other things. And later D&D in particular, um 3rd edition wasn't 3rd edition had a bunch of engine type stuff built into it that was trying to model um some mm-hmm. sort of video game style physics. Feel free to argue with me po- folks if you want to. On that, but if you played that game as the book had prescribed to play it, like there was a lot of roll a die get a certain d c and a thing happens. It was basically you know push your action button, see if you get the number, and then you can do the thing now that left a lot of left a lot of uh didn't leave a lot of leeway for game masters to make dungeon masters to make rulings, right so Fourth edition even went harder than that, but they tried to do this indie game thing with the skill challenges and whatnot, but they failed miserably at writing that. And um, I think even like, so fifth edition, because we're we're talking about later D&D here, fifth edition has a skill system that is much more wide open and allows for rulings. So I think that is where the game has actually gotten to the point where it is modeling things other than combat. Now, somebody'll be like, "Most of the rules are about combat." And I'm like, "Yeah, because combat is a much more intricate thing in D&D because you so you can play it on a grid with an action economy and, you know, special effects and how an attack roll works and, you know, how armor class works because there's a few more intricate moving parts. It doesn't allow for as many rulings even though it's still wider open than previous versions, so there is still room for rulings in combat. The skill system is very much like other role-playing mm-hmm. games that have a lot of story type stuff to it because i saw in that article there was a thing about how it's trying to put on these tacked on things with flaws this that and the other thing i'm like i don't really think that's tacked on i think that inspiration mechanic works real well with the actual game to uh promote story and mm-hmm. it wants you to spend inspiration all the time because you have inspiration or you don't have it so therefore if you don't have it you should be playing right. into your stuff so you can yeah. get it so that you can eventually have inspiration yeah so i, I don't think it, it, goes, goes,
1: it goes it okay, goes as I'm deep as some other games might Um, So I think that was the point the article was trying to make. I just don't think it was worded as tactfully as it could have. Um, But I think you are correct in the sense that if you run 5th edition D&D as a narrative creation device, you can definitely say, make this skill check. You succeed. You tell me what happens. As the player. You fail, I'm going to tell you what happens as the DM. And that way you're handing that power, that narrative power back and forth and creating a a role playing slash narrative creation game as opposed to just rolling dice. And if you hit this number, this is exactly what happens. Correct. Yep. Uh, the other quote they had it was, was at the end of the article. I yep, just thought it was a, a neat way to sum it up and to, to raise uh, some discussion. Is combat overemphasized in D&D? Maybe, but that's at least partially due to the other two modes of exploration and logistics falling out of favor. If the eight pages detailing combat are any indication in the basic D&D rules, combat is still an integral part of the game, and many players are just fine with that. And and that's what we've been talking about on and off throughout the history of this broadcast is there are different ways to play games. Uh, there are different types of play styles, and D&D can fit different mm. niches um, if you want it to. And Combat is emphasized because a majority of the players that I've dealt with in my, uh, you know, twenty-plus year, I agree with third edition, fourth edition, fifth edition. That's what they, you know, they like role playing. And I just thought it was interesting bringing logistics as as a concept, um, because when you played old school D anD D, you know, basic first edition, second edition, there was a lot of that that you could do. Uh, encumbrance and counting your bolts and counting your arrows and and uh you know keeping track of expenditures down to the copper piece and that, that was a thing it was a thing that a lot of people ignored but it was also a thing that could be a part of the game and it's interesting that the article talks about uh osr games kind of bringing that back and i i'm not versed enough in the OSR movement and all of the games that have come from it to know if that's definitely the case. Um, But, you know, it's just an interesting thought wondering if that that, um, sort of logistics part of the game is something that people would embrace if it was highlighted more and how that also stacks up against the resource management part of the game. Um, because when we talk about resource management, we're usually talking about hit points, spells, hit dice, etc., not necessarily gold pieces and you know equipment and so on. So, just uh, it's just a, a thought provoking article that I wanted to point out if people are interested in reading it.
0: Mm-hmm. They had a really good. There's a really good section in that article about uh, encumbrance and why it was important before. And, I mean, we uh, talk about... And people are like, like encumbrance. I'm like, yeah, it's a thing. Like, you should go see how it works in your games. It matters. Yeah, it does. Especially for games where it's about going into dungeons and grabbing stuff and bringing it out. Right, because you can only carry so much, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, that was along side of stuff for one of our news articles which i am perfectly fine with like that's fun to talk about oh mm-hmm. uh, the second one good time was had at running gag 2018 we mentioned this a little bit already so uh sean tell me about your running gag experience
1: well i've been going to running gag for probably about 20 years now um back in the heyday of living Greyhawk, we were running 20 30 40 tables at a time uh at running gag so it was it was a really great convention then and it still is a really great Convention for being a smaller kind of college club convention, a lot of great gaming going on. Whether you play D other games, or a mix, uh, I ran Return of the Lizard King for twelve hours straight on Saturday. Uh, gave out some of the special certs I was uh, given by the Adventures League folks, and we really had a good time. We had a, a brand new player, uh, not new to D and D, but new to fifth edition. He cracked open his player's handbook for the first time. I uh, played a wizard, did a great job. The rest of the people at the table were very helpful um, by, you know, giving him direction, but not instruction, I guess, you know, and so so that was uh, it was nice. I also got to talk with you at dinner and we rarely get to talk face to face. So that was fun, too.
0: Yeah, me and Sean are very rarely in the same location. So mm-hmm. that was a, a treat. And strangely enough, we'll actually be in the same location more than once in like within 30 days because we're both going to uh, Winter Fantasy, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I played some D&D at a uh, running gag. Somebody was running a, uh, a one-shot with uh, pre-generated characters. That was a really quite enjoyable blast for me, especially because it was a very Chris Snezak styled game. Uh, there was a tower. As soon as you walked inside the tower, everything was wonky and crazy and and uh trans-dimensional so like you know we opened a door there's a jungle there's a door on a cloud inside the jungle that led to another part of the tower like stuff like that so
1: that was a that was a quite enjoyable i hear you played uh dusk city
0: outlaws too i did in fact with uh jen adcock who i think at winter fantasy has uh, the middle part of the the, the hills series she wrote the second one of that one yep yeah. Jet Hillstar 3-2 will be premiering there and and Jen wrote that. Yeah, Jen's quite an excellent game master. Dust City Outlaws is a great game and that was Rodney Thompson and uh John Rogers helped helped him with that game a little bit. The guy who made leverage. It's probably the best heist game I've ever played. I yeah, will-
1: I played it a year ago at Winter Fantasy and it was a blast. So, I'm waiting for it to be actually out.
0: Which it's not, which is I so know. sad. I wanted to go yeah. buy it. I was like, I'm going to play this game. Like this game is great. Um I played uh, The Strange too because you know, it was Monty's uh, 50th birthday and his 30, 30th year in, in role playing games. So I, I got to play The Strange. That was cool. Uh, I LARPed a little. I said that earlier. I played some board games. It was a good time all around. Talked to a lot of people, networked, all that good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And now that we've got one convention under our belt, the next one is coming. Um, yeah, two weeks. Two weeks of reporting. recording. Two weeks from Mr. Corning, a week probably from when you are hearing this, we will. Chris and I will both be at Winter Fantasy in Fort Wayne, Indiana, February 7th through the 11th. So excited. So if you are at the show, come up and find us. Mm-hmm. We will probably be doing some recording.
0: Yeah, I actually will have my uh, my Zoom with me. I will be getting interviews with people that I can, like 10 to 15 minute things. And that will be for you folks as soon as I can get them up.
1: So mm-hmm. enjoy that. Uh, what what are, you, what are you doing other than doing some recording there?
0: I am running like eight games worth of D and I'm running uh, seven, nine, seven, ten, and seven, eleven. Mm-hmm. So uh, from I'll so. be running games Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is pretty okay. I'm actually really down with my schedule. Like I I, I run a game on Wednesday night. I run a game on Sunday morning. I uh, I run two games each day. Thursday, Friday,
1: Saturday. Nice. It's pretty solid. So a lot of AL action coming your way. Mm-hmm. Tons of it, and I'm pretty okay with that. And which, which, uh, which season seven adventure are you writing? Seven uh, twelve. Okay, so you're which I don't get to run. Nice. <laughs>
0: it makes me a little sad. I like. I'm like. I can't run my own one. I don't know. Does it, is it even going to be a winter fantasy? I can't remember. I don't know. I, don't I can't remember. Think so. I don't know.
1: You'll have to find out where it premieres and see if you can uh, get involved somehow.
0: I know, right? I mean, I'm. I was had a good time writing it.
1: Yes. And uh, and speaking of February 11th, if you are a Gen Con attendee, you probably know that the yearly Gen Con housing fiasco starts on Sunday, February 11th at noon. Um, If you're not aware of what goes on, one of the i Gen Con is a great show, but one of the problems with it now is it is hard to get a hotel downtown. Practically impossible to get a hotel downtown. True facts. And even very hard sometimes to get a, a room within a reasonable distance from downtown. So uh, if you don't know, if you have a badge, if you bought a full show, four-day badge, or just even a, a one-day badge, or if you have a badge um, through some other means, you will get an email on February 10th, the day before uh, this opens, letting you know where your spot is in line. Mm-hmm. You will get a, an, an email with a time. So you go to the Gen Con housing portal at the time in that email, and that's when you can uh, see if you can get yourself a room. They they did this last year, and I guess it worked well, except if you were someone like me who uh, got a time for like 4 p.m. when I could go in. By that time, every hotel, I think the nearest hotel was in North Chicago or something. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Um, So then I. Sold my soul to Baldman games to work enough to get a room and uh, and stayed downtown. But uh, just putting a reminder out there for you Gen Con attendees or if this is your first Gen Con to remember that housing um, opens on February 11th.
0: Enjoy. Mm. Have fun with that. We if I wanted to go, I could have stayed in a hotel with a bunch of other podcasters. I just don't think I'm going to Gen Con this year. So. <clears throat> Yeah, cuz we're all going to origins. That's that's the thing. That's right. That's right. Let's talk about the Hidden Halls of Hazakor. So that's uh Scott Fitzgerald's Grays Kickstarter. Yep. It is this wonderfully uh illustrated, very uh, it's got a little bit of that cartoony feel to it which I love so much. Uh 64-page starter adventure for 5th edition D&D. It's supposed to be aimed at um Young beginning Dungeon Masters to run. Uh, Sean, would you tell me about
1: uh, Scott Fitzgerald Gray? Yeah, he is a full-time freelance writer, editor, story editor, designer. Uh, If you have the 5th edition core books and you open them up and you look at editing, his name will be there. So he's been around the industry for a while, since 3rd edition, uh, working for Wizards, for Dungeon Magazine. He's uh, worked with Rob Schwalb for The Shadow of the Demon Lord. Done work with Sly Flourish, Hole Publishing, Green Ronin. You go on and on and on. Uh, he has done it, and he's a really sharp person, uh, multi-talented. So, if you are in the, uh, if you are in need of an adventure, I would check it out. Especially if you are working with younger players or younger DMs, uh, this is supposed to kind of help teach DMing while you run the game. That's pretty neat. I'm pretty into that. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. And like I said,
0: I love the art. The art's mm-hmm. just wonderful. Uh, last thing we want to mention is um, one of our down with D and D hosts. Cause you know, she's still on the rotation in case me or Sean ever have to take a day off. Uh, Cindy Moore. She has a new Patreon. So she is uh, providing D and D content and play by post games and streaming AL legal games, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And if she gets an, and I think there's also a level that you can get on that. She will run the hardcover. For you and a group of people,
1: that's right. So, if you are are a fan of Cindy's work for uh, from the Adventures League side of things, she's written several adventures. She is the Hillsfar coordinator for uh, the Bald Man Games convention created content um, trilogies. And if you love playing online or play by post and looking for a game, you can check out that Patreon as well as just getting great content from Cindy, who is also I should mention a Guild adept.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we gonna move on to this to our main ish topic now?
1: All right, I'm gonna crack my knuckles here because this 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 could get a little controversial, Chris.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Did you mind if I lead us in?
1: Probably probably not between uh, you and I, but in general, you know, there, there could be hate mail coming
0: out. I mean, I got in there and started like saying a few things last night, but the hate was so strong. I was like, I'm just going to take a step back and wait till we talk about this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was my feel. It's funny because by the time this episode comes out, like this whole thing might have blown over. So probably um, anyone who's listening to this, remember, we recorded this the day after it happened, but you won't hear it until like a week after it happened. Yep. Our main topic today is the DMs Guild. So last night the D&D Twitterverse of creators went a little bit nutty with the announcement that the DMs Guild would only allow products that featured only the DM Guild logo, no personal or company logos. This was mentioned in two places on the FAQ page for the DMs Guild creators and in an obscure Facebook group called Dungeon Master Guild fan club. Merrick Blackman gets a big down with D&D. Thanks for bringing this to everyone's attention. And I will have links in the show notes to all of those spaces. So, Let's. Where do you want to start with this, Sean? Well,
1: let's just start with the. Uh, actually, let's start, even step away from the notes. Let's start with the fact that what happened was this announcement came out. A a person who works for One Bookshelf, who is which is the company that runs the DMs Guild as well as Drive Through RPG and all the other Drive Through Cards, Drive Through Fiction, etc. Introduced himself in this group, saying that, hi, my name's Jason. I'm a new member of the DMs Guild management team. I'm going to, you know, I'll be here to answer questions. Dah, dah, dah. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> if you do put stuff on the DMs Guild, you can only use that logo. So have a good day. And first of all, you, you know how with social media these days, everything kind of gets blown out of proportion pretty quickly Um, but it's also a great way to uh, interact with your fans with your audience with people of the same interest as you and it's also a terrible way to interact if you do it incorrectly and I think this is safely in that realm of a bad way to do it
0: I would agree with that I think this might have been a misstep and maybe should have been out in a press release from
1: one bookshelf officially mm-hmm. so so there's that but let's take a step back um you know we talked about the dms guild last week just that it has been around for two years give or take uh-huh. and that it's really a cool thing yeah, yeah so let's for people who may not under know what the dms guild is let's take a step back um The DM's Guild was created by one bookshelf in cooperation with Wizards of the Coast as a place to do a couple of things. First, a place to put older D&D content from previous editions up in digital format to give people the chance to buy it. And this is something that fans have been clamoring for for years and years and years. So, yay, good stuff. The second thing I think is even cooler. The DM's Guild is a place that gives new creators a place to sell their stuff. Now, in 4th edition, there was a very, very restrictive license where you could make 4th edition content that hardly anyone used. Because it was expensive to use it. Holy Lord. Yep. Previous to that, they had this uh, SRD open gaming license thing um, that basically led, almost led to the Collapse of Wizards of the Coast. (laughs) So That might have been a bad idea. Right. And then previous to that, you really couldn't create your own... Create and sell and um, publish or even share your own D&D stuff in second edition, first edition, and further back. Uh, You just couldn't do it. There was no license. There was no way to get a license, or at least none that anyone was aware of. Um, So there was just no outlet for you. You could create your own stuff and run it for your players. But there was no way of, A, sharing it, B, monetizing it. It was just you had to sit there with it. Mm -hmm. So... This DMs Guild seemed to be great. Um, So there are several things I think that are great about the DMs Guild. And Chris, you can jump in at any point to to let me know what you think. I I will, in fact, because I I also think the DMs Guild is a great space. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, and probably the greatest thing is, the DMs Guild gives you a license to use intellectual property that in a million years you should never have access to. That is true i.e. the Forgotten Realms. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Ravenloft. Yes. Yeah. So you can you can use this intellectual property that spawned hundreds, if not thousands, of books and comics and video games. That IP you can use. Th- that's that's insane. Is, it's insane. It is, it is. It is insane. And if you don't if you're not going like us, that is insane. Then you don't understand the publishing world. That is insane.
0: Uh-huh. Um and we're not trying to we're not trying to, to dismiss you or right. anything like that. But you should go look. It's it's like if you wanted to put Mickey Mouse on yeah. something for role exactly. games, yeah. like that's what we're talking right. about here. You think about that's the best thing I think can think about. Say. How
1: a, a franchise like Harry Potter, how just what a death stranglehold that they keep on that intellectual property. Um, something like this is just totally the opposite of that. Um, that's the that's the best thing to me, but there are other great things. You have access to a motivated mm-hmm. and interested audience who are specifically coming there to see d d products. Um, you, you can get reviews. You can get ratings from people that buy your stuff. That's right. Um, and with the slower release cycle that 5th Edition has taken, it gives consumers a place uh, where they can go if they are in need of something, whether it's adventures, monsters new races classes feats maps new rules guides to books you know, everything that you see up there um is filling a need that your super motivated people consumers want so in all the dm's guild is is awesome so with the, the announcement last night people who i consider very close friends were We're freaking out. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I as as someone who basically just quit their job to
0: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, see how I could do as a full time role playing game creator, the DMs Guild holds an important place in that. So I I have worries about any changes because I'm moving forward based on one set of things and then another set of things happens. Obviously, it's something to to be concerned about. However, um, there there may have been a little bit of an overreaction, as you sometimes have on social media. So the first question was, why was this done? Um, And for a while, it took it took a while for them to uh, give an answer for that. Them by them, I mean one bookshelf on this Facebook group. With answering questions based on that announcement, again, a terrible way uh, to to announce something. This should have been all thought about months ahead of time. They should have been talking with you know contributors uh, to the DMs Guild to get their feedback. Um, you know, done a done some sort of research, figured out the best way to announce this. Uh, so all this stuff came out in drabs, and sometimes it was actually contradicting what. Has been already said, and the FAQ on the site was was different from what was so. All of that is actually still being sorted out. But what they said was this policy was changing because a it really isn't changing. Um, people shouldn't have been putting logos on the product, but they were anyway, and they just weren't enforcing it. So they had to reestablish that. Um, but here's what they said: there are a number of reasons for the change. It's something we've been discussing internally for a while. One impetus is to Uh, be consistent across all of our community creation platforms. Another reason is to have clearer rules that we can enforce given our existing resources. Um, The DMs Guild logo we write is intended to satisfy a lot of the messaging that other logos would normally do. It signifies that the product is a member of this community of the DMs Guild. It also signals that it is for Dungeons & Dragons. Um, So that's why we want you to use the DMs Guild logo. Why not to use other logos? Because it is a problem with branding, Um, copyright infringement, trademark violations, etc., etc. Because people were um, going out of their way to try to make it look like an official product, and maybe confuse people into thinking, "Oh, good, it's a new Wizards product. I'm going to buy it." And I'm sure that there were complaints because I've heard some complaints uh, from people who were confused about whether this thing up on the DM's guild was a wizard's product. Was it an adventures league product? Was it a guild of debt product? Was it, you know, what was it? So I think this goes toward that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have anything to add there? Not
0: really. I mean, I have some things to add in the second. Okay.
1: That's fine. All right. So the, the, the other thing that I want to add about this is, I would like to see. Um, actually, you know, I'm going to wait on that. Let, let's go. Let's go to the final point. What does this mean for creators? Yeah, you know, who put stuff up on the DM scale. Go ahead, Chris.
0: Here's the thing that it actually means. It doesn't mean anything, right? Like, I'm sorry that you can't put the logo of your company on the cover. Like that actually kind of sucks for us because we like to put the Encoded Designs logo on covers, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a thing. But you know, we could still put it on the inside. It's not the worst thing ever, and. If I'm if I'm correct, you can still put the name of the author on the front of the cover, right, Sean? Yeah, yep. Not only that, you can still do art. Uh huh. That's that's very true. So, I mean, to me, those are the important things. Like, I could still brand my product because I could put it on the inside cover. I still have my author. So, if I'm an actually competent author, I could put that on the front too. Like anything that we write that's D and D is going to have Merwin's name on the cover. There's a reason for that. Like, even if I wrote it, I'm probably going to make Sean write, you know, 50 words. so I could put his name on the cover because I want to have his name on the cover. Cause that means something. So you should start thinking about it that way. If you're really worried about branding your stuff, like brand it via the writer,
1: mm-hmm. just saying, um, yeah, what else? And if, if for any reason that this really, really upsets you, you, there's always regular drive through RPG. Um, now you can't use the wizard's IP, but you can still put your stuff there. And it's probably better for you to put your stuff there. You can put whatever branding you want, you know, whatever logo for your own company. You obviously still can't copy wizard's branding, but you can put whatever branding logos you want there. And um, you only have to pay the uh, 30% rather than the 50%. If you go through drive through RPG rather than the DM's guild, pretty sure it's thirty five. But I get your point. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, whatever whatever the number is, Th- that, that's one other thing. People were saying, you know, wizards takes fifty percent of all the sales from the the DM's guild. No, they don't. They take fifteen. Um, but but between wizards and drive through fifty percent is taken that is correct but more more money goes to drive through RPG or open or one bookshelf than goes to wizards on this so you know just just to clear up that misconception out there
0: I, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that the split is thirty five fifteen and then fifty to the creator yep I so 35 drive through fifteen to, to Wizards of the coast for the use of their IP mm-hmm. and yeah. their game and uh and and
1: Fifty to the creator. Yep. So, you know, you still have all these options, and what I was going to say, Chris, was, you know, I would love to see different categories in in the uh, in the DMs Guild, oh. in the sense that I would love to see a section for, you know, what um, I, I'm not good at art, I'm not good at layout, I'm going to use their template, uh, and th- and that's it, nothing else added. Boom.
0: I am. I agree with you. I would love to. If we're going to talk about how to improve this stuff, that's what I would like. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're just going to, I mean, I would like a thing, and I think they do some of this stuff. Like, if you're just making character option stuff, like I would like there to be a category that's easily sortable for that. If you were just mm-hmm. putting out uh, adventures, like I'd like to see there be a category for that. I mean, there's already sort of a category for like adventures legal stuff and then like an, an adepts category right. there too. But they could they could make some more categories so that we could actually put these products in the proper places so that they're easier to find and such. Mm-hmm. That would be That would be my preference. And I'm with you. Like if you can't meet a certain standard, then you should be in a certain category but if you can actually come with some real legit layout and that might, that should probably put you in a different status.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I would love to see either wizards or, or drive through, sorry, I keep saying drive through, but it's actually one bookshelf. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them maybe offer a curated section where uh, you hire an editor or two to review these and look at these things. And if they meet a certain standard, go into this category, it's kind of like a paid viewer, but, N- not at the mercy of the contributors, but just a, you know a third party system to to look at things and 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 categorize it almost. So even if you're not great at layout or great at at art or whatever, your your words are still getting read and still being put you know somewhere because um, you know it it takes a lot to create a beautiful book. It really does. It's a lot of work. And and normally, if you're doing that work, you are dedicated enough that your content is good. Mm-hmm. But there could be products out there with beautiful art that are absolutely horrendous True facts in terms of the content. So I would love to see some sort of system, some sort of, I don't know, like I said, curation.
0: Your assessment is correct, I think. It'd be nice if they had a curator. And, and that would be mm-hmm. the perfect perfect name for that position a curator that their job is to go through and look at stuff and categorize it and be like this is pretty good this is you know and and i don't even know like some of the content stuff like i mean that can get pretty subjective right but like like this this reads well this is decently put together even word even just basic word wise right like Mm -hmm. this this is a solid adventure like it's not hard to parse like i don't have to I don't have to deal with a billion spelling mistakes and whatnot. Like somebody took the time to edit it and get, and get, you know, get it in some semblance of shape. So it's actually fun to, to take a look through. And while there's not the best maps or whatever, and they're like, these maps are functional and this seems like a fun adventure. That's usable, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not fun, but at least a usable adventure that wouldn't suck
1: to prep. And based on what I've seen and the amount of content that's been purchased on this DMs guild, one bookshelf is making a lot of money, a lot of money. Even wizards is making a decent amount of money off, off of these sales. And it seems like it wouldn't be too much to, to implement this, even if they have to hire a couple of staff members to, to do that. It seems like it would be a worthwhile um, worthwhile benefit, additional benefit to, to the DMs guild.
0: Start with one mm-hmm. <laughs> Just start, start with hiring one person that does this yep. for their job, 40 hours a week or whatever.
1: But, you know, we're interested also in what everyone else has to say. Um, I do know that, you know, some people paid to have a nice logo made for their work and now they won't be able to use it uh, on the front page of the of their products. And it, it, it may uh, be a little less uh, less easy for certain individuals or certain companies to show that it's their product for anyone that just browses the front page and doesn't look any further um so you know i i get i get that frustration um but i think it's not something that cannot be overcome but i'd love to hear what other people think if you are a creator that puts stuff on the dms guild or if you are a a consumer who buys a lot of DMs Guild products, we'd love to hear what you think. Mm -hmm. I would. I would love to hear that. And I know I came off sounding
0: pretty opinionated on this one, and I am pretty opinionated on it. I thought that there was a lot of overreaction. And I get some people are like, how are we going to market our stuff now? I'm like, I've been dealing with that problem for like four years. So I feel you, right? It's effort and work and you know, building up a Twitter community and going to Facebook and going to G plus and being out there in front of people, so I mean, the DM Guild shouldn't be the only place that you're marketing anyway. So this would probably be good for some of you folks out there to start expanding how you market your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not easy,
1: but it, 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 it it's worth it. Yeah. And one of the things I found amusing was I this morning went to the guild and was looking at the you know hottest DM Guild products, and I went down the line, and not many of them had any sort of logo or really even any sort of special branding mm-hmm. on them. So, uh, you know, seeing that, I I don't know how just not being able to put your own logo is detrimental if all of these hot products didn't have them. <laughs> it's kind of
0: funny, right? Like, I mean,
1: yeah.
0: uh, I, I, I feel weird having this conversation in some ways because I'm not trying to be dismissive of everybody's um, worries and whatnot. Like, it sucks a little. Right, like I'm with you. Like I can't put the encoded logo on the cover anymore. No. that that is not the greatest thing ever. But it can still go on the inside, so I'm not as upset. And I don't think it's. I'm with you, Sean. I don't think it's that big of a deal because I was selling writers and mm-hmm. cool titles and yeah, neat neat cover art anyway. Well, I'm done now. I'm I'm good. Are you good? Do you feel satisfied? I
1: I feel like. I need to do more writing. <laughs>
0: mm. I, will, I will never be satisfied. That's your unexpected Hamilton for the day. Yes. With that, I will say thank you, everyone, so much for listening. A few Patreon shows before we got out of here. Eileen Barnes, Brian Kurtz, Andy Olson, Merrick Blackman, who started a lot of this stuff today, which thank you, by the way, gave us a whole show. And Rob Abrazado. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website. And for a paltry
1: $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout out. Or for 4 50 a month, you not only get a shout out, but you also get the pre-production show notes. And we give patrons a little extra every now and then. Yes, yes, we do.
0: If you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple podcast review.
1: Even uh... – those those Apple podcast reviews help even if you don't listen via Apple podcast, because other podcatchers use that as the way to rate and rank shows and make us more visible. If you would go give us a nice review. Mm-hmm.
0: Sean, where can we find you on the Internet if people want to reach out and talk to you?
1: Yes. As long as you're not yelling at me, you can reach me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on Facebook or best of all at the Downwood D&D G plus community. How about you, Chris?
0: Well, at Down with D and D is one of the Twitter places. You can catch me at misdirected Mark is Another at the light one is a third. You can always just go to the website too, leave a comment. Uh, there's also the, mean you mentioned the G plus community. So there I'm usually lurking around there and chatting with people, the website, like I said, comments there, they really work. I tend to approve them and comment back on them. If, if that's a thing that you like to do, I know it's not like in the, uh, in the zeitgeist of how we work with social media these days and the internet, but it's there. And if you happen to go there, there's another show that you can catch. Actually, there's a lot of other shows, but this one in particular. Advantage to Insight. One fan, one topic, and the best result. Advantage to Insight speaks to the fans of Dungeons and & Dragons and what interests them for you. And I know
1: upcoming is uh, Wayne's chat with Lisa Chen. So there you go. Wow, she's been everywhere. She was also for the third time on Dragon Talk uh, just recently. So there you go. mm down with d d is a misdirected mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Sean, whatever shall we do now? We're gonna go kill some logos. Get down with d Yeah, you know me. Get down with d Yeah, you know
0: me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with d and d down with d yeah you know me He's down with d i am down with d and d yeah you know me whos down with d